0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God, because you're good, you're hope, you're beautiful, and we recognize you in this place. Amen. Amen. Uh, um, I I don't know who this is necessarily for. I'm going to look at Joshua and the good doctor here. Um, we, we sang a song uh, about, I don't know, singing, shouting, and walls coming down, right? Uh, so I picture, I don't do lyrics very well, um, about walls coming down. And, and the picture that conjures in many of our minds, if you grew up in, the tradition that I grew up in is Joshua. And I think Caleb, did they, I'm looking at you, you look way more spiritual than me. Am I doing the right story? They marched seven times and the walls came down and the picture is, you know, we march around other places that are strongholds and the walls came tumbling down. That's what we get to do as victorious Christians. Um, And as we were singing the song, I said, well, what if it's different? What if there's a wall around this campus and we need to pray those walls down and we need to flood our city? Uh, and, um, and so whoever that's for, um, I, I don't know, I feel incredibly honored, I'm, I'm always honored to be invited. I got bumped up to like the first couple of weeks, so it feels like, you know, an upgrade, you know, like QB1. Um, uh, but I, I love this place and I love this city. How many of you, uh, this is your like, first year here, maybe PSEO, maybe traditional student, maybe transfer? Uh, um, yeah, raise your hand, I, w- I wanna just see. So, uh, I wanna say uh, welcome. Welcome, uh, as a resident of this city, welcome to one of the greatest cities on the planet, and I mean that. I love this place. You are going to find your favorite coffee shops, you're gonna find your favorite restaurant. Some of you, you may find that place where you're gonna kiss that certain somebody. Uh, some of there are. Seriously? To date, this is the least spiritual group I have ever spoken in front of. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna find your favorite lake. We have great lakes. We have great arts. We have uh, great, spo- well, maybe not great sports. But, hey, we, hey, we, no, 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 it's great. Twice a year, we have the 13-time world champion team coming across the border, so it's good. Um, <laughs> Facts. That's all I'm saying. I love this city. It, it is, uh, very honestly, uh, this city is complicated. We have a complicated history. We have a complicated history around race. We have a complicated history around classism. We have a complicated history around public safety and achievement gaps. But as a resident of the city, I've been in spaces where we link arm in arm and where we say we're going to find a way forward. And you, as part of this city now, most of us as Christ followers in this room, we have a special opportunity to be a part of knowing what that design is supposed to look like. So I want to say welcome to this incredible international city. I Also, this space right here, chapel, if you have ever heard me, you know I can't but stop and just say how important this space is to me as an alum, as somebody who worked here. I met my wife here. Um, we, we started uh, we started our family here, and you'll see a picture up there. Our family started in, in Minneapolis, and that's my beautiful wife, Candace. That is my oldest, Lola, my mini-me son, Justice, and uh, then Nia in the glasses, Winnie over there, and little Moses, who absolutely runs our family. Um, <laughs> But we, we started in this space. Uh, in, in this space, I have made friends that I will have for decades. And it is a, it's an honor to be in this space because I think of, I have friends who have their uh, kids, our students here. Keaton and Jackson and Ari and Macy. I, I mean, there are people here. Joey, where are you at, Joey? Joey's here. I mean, like, you that moment when you're like you're just a little bit old right Um, my own daughter is a student here for the second year and so to be a part of a space like this where you have lifelong friends and you start seeing the generational impact that this house has um, the organization that i work with was started out of this room three college students up there that responded to the move of the holy spirit in their heart to respond to a marginalized community that they didn't know in a different part of the world. And what started in this room now has raised over $45 million for international relief and justice emissions missions work around the world. Yeah, in this room, and not that. Delivered more than 50 million meals. Rescued over a thousand girls from trafficking. Invested in more than a thousand farms for long-term sustainability. Discipled everywhere we went. That starts in this room. And so I hold these, these two spaces. I talk about this campus and this city. And there has been something so important in my spiritual journey over the last two decades holding these two things in tension. Sometimes they overlap beautifully, and other times I ask these questions like, what does what we do in here have to do with them out there? Does what we are doing, does raising our hands and singing the songs and learning the scriptures, does it matter out there? And if it does, what is my responsibility? We are a Christian university. We are one of two in all of the United States that is uniquely positioned in this space to ask very specific questions. And it doesn't mean that you have to be lucky like me and live over half your life in this city, but it does mean that you are a resident right now. And to begin to ask the question that we should be asking in this space, and that is how do we integrate our faith with the world around us? How do we integrate our faith with what we are studying to go do and go become? I think of the song by the band Semisonic, who, it's a song about a bar, but we'll, and it says, time for you, it's closing time, and it's time for you to go out to the places where you will be from. And we are in a preparation season where you are preparing for those places where you will be from, and you don't know it yet, but you will take this room and you will take this city with you. And it's not just my own opinion. As I hold these things in tension, I think of a story, a story that many of us know. In Luke 10, it's called the story of the Good Samaritan. And most of us understand the story of the Good Samaritan, if you can remember it, as a story about a guy who created space to help somebody who got beat up, right? And there are a lot of applications to that, creating space in our time and our resources and all of those types of things. But the genesis of the Good Samaritan story starts with a conversation between the religious elite and Jesus saying, what does it look like for me to inherit the fullness of the kingdom of God? There's a connection between what does it mean for me to be a Christ follower? What does it mean for me to be about the kingdom? And Jesus decided the best way to answer that was to start a conversation about what it means to be neighbor what it means to be in proximity, what it means to include people. And I know yesterday you had an incredible communicators, Chris and Monica De Laurentiis, Laurentiis, who have invested in this city for so long. And I want to just share three words, just three words, about what's kind of been a, um, they've been guideposts in my journey to figure out this tension between what it means to be a Christ follower, what I do in here, and what it has to do with people out there. Now, it's not going to be exegetical or an expository sermon. I'm not going to break down the nuances of the Good Samaritan. I'll leave that to, uh, to our vice president, Joshua Edmund. Love you, brother. Um, I'm not going to do a topical sermon and teach you about how you should be a good spouse-ready person. Um, I'm literally... I'm literally just want to talk about three words, a personal reflection. And, and I pictured it. I asked for this table because sometimes if you've ever heard me speak, I like to walk around. I get a little fidgety. I'm like four cups of coffee in. And I just wanted to sit down um, and I just wanted to share the way I would. One of the greatest honors is when a student will say, hey, would you have a cup of coffee with me and just have a conversation? So I want to recreate what that would be. If I was sitting next to a student, in fact, uh, this feels weird like this. Joey, where are you at? Joey Anderson, come on up here. I know I saw you. You are hard to miss. Did he leave? He left? Oh, that dude, I know his dad. It's all right. That's all right. All right, Keaton, are you in the house? Come here. Mom. Let's go. You have the best hair of anybody in your family. Come on. Seriously, his dad had the nastiest mullet when we were in college. How you doing, Keaton? I won't keep you up here too long. This is how I I picture the conversation, all right? Just go with me. Keaton comes up to me and says, Paul, you are so wise. Would you mind having a cup of coffee with me? And I'm like, sure, I would love to. Can you say, you're so wise? You're so wise. Thank you. This is exactly how it went in my head. And then you would say something like this. You'd be like, you are a lot cooler than my dad. You are a lot cooler than my dad. Yeah, there was a lot of emphasis there. That's great. Um, and, then, and then you would just say, hey, would you talk to me about what it? how have you lived out your faith since you left North Central? Go ahead, try that one. <laughs> want to repeat that one. That's good. All right, good. Everybody say thank you to Keaton. You can jump. Thanks, buddy. Three words. Three words that have helped me to navigate the very conversation that Jesus had with this religious elite about what does it mean to embrace the full kingdom of God. And the first word is good. Now, I like that someone just went, "Mm," but I actually have the opposite response. I'm like, good? Seriously? Like, good in the Webster Dictionary means pleasant means nice. You know, it doesn't feel very powerful. Like, I get, I get invited once a year to come to chapel at best, and that's what I'm going to bring, good. Um, but if we can understand the context of why good is one of the most important words for me in my spiritual journey, you have to go back to the ancient wisdom literature written in the First Testament, back to the creation narrative, where the Hebrew good is this word called tov. And tov um, represents not just one word or one definition, but there are about 170,000 English words that we practice. Hebrew only has about 7,000. And so if you do quick math, that's about every Hebrew word has to represent about 24 words. So We're talking concepts. And in Genesis 1, 31, uh, the, in the creation story, there's heaven and earth. And then there's like land and air and there's different birds and animals. And at the end of every day, God says it's good or it's Tov. And then the sixth day, he creates humans and he says, Tov meod, it's really good. And this idea then of Tov is that there is a created order. There is a designer and there is a design. There is a creator and there is the creation. And in this account, and this word is used over 270 times in the First Testament, but the idea is that there is order, there is creation, there is a design, and and that has been so important for me in my journey because I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of places where I want to do what I want to do. I want to default to the things that I want to do, um, oftentimes before I fully understand what God's will is, but do I trust that there is a good design? Do I trust that there is an order? Do you trust that it's not just up to you to come up with all the things, but that in the Holy Scripture, there's a starting point, a portal, empowered by the Holy Spirit for you to understand that there is a, des- a design, and that design ladders back and helps us know who we are and what we're supposed to do. Uh, my, my daughter, who I will not embarrass in the first row right over there if I walked right over here, um, my, my daughter, and I won't, I won't embarrass her at all, but my daughter in her overalls and her new docs, which are really nice, um, my daughter loves, my daughter loves uh, science, right? And And I love conversations with my daughter when she's telling me something about astrobiology or we have conversations about the black hole and we're like, oh, black holes actually help us understand the creation story because I believe that all good science leads to a better understanding of the creator and I believe that all good religion actually points us to better understand what we see in the created universe. A little bit like for those of you who we've just gotten a little too heady, we've already done some Hebrew, we've done a little astrobiology, how about Marvel, okay? I think, of, I think of Iron Man when he puts on that little thing and then all of a sudden he sees how everything's all connected together, how fast he's going and what's coming at him and it helps him navigate everything, right? And I, I think... Toe for me, reminds me, even when I don't know all the answers, even when I'm frustrated, even when I look at what's happening in here and what's going on out there, that there is an order. There is a design, and if I trust it in my marriage with my kids, if I trust it with my roommates, if I trust it with my purity, if I trust it with my studies, if I trust it in this city and this season, and if I trust it in the future, that it will lead to something. And we're in a university And the previous president, and by the way, I love President Hagen and Karen, and we pray for Karen right now. Um, The previous president would often talk about a university in the very uh, traditional sense of a university, a bunch of disciplines anchored in this creation story, in this idea that God has a plan and a design. And whether you are studying to become an author, or a musician, or an educator, or a business person, whether you think you're gonna be a professional athlete, or whether you are going to be a mom or a dad, that all of these things ladder back to Tove, a design that has you. And when we start thinking about that, or I should say, when I start thinking about that, in the midst of tension, in the midst of chaos, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, I can take a deep breath and go, God, show us your order and your way forward and there is then we know if we go back to genesis in the first testament if you know this story Tove, this good god and this good garden bursting with potential and these good humans make a decision harmartia sin to go against the good design or ra to choose evil over good and we know the rest of the story then is God's design to get us back to Tov and to invite us to be a part of Tov. And so when we get to the Second Testament, we are introduced to this unruly rabbi on the side of a mountain that starts explaining what this kingdom looks like, what Tov looks like. And there's an angel that introduces and says uh, in Luke 2, says, uh, behold, you don't have to be afraid. I bring you good news for all people good news, tov news, euangelion. Without good, it's just news. It's just talking points. It's just religious highlights. But good, this design, if we trust it, we will investigate it and we will know that we are carriers of good news and we are invited to be a part of living the reality of what tov looks like in our city. And that Luke 2, it says it's tov for all people, which brings me to my second word that has anchored me for years, and that is peace. Now, peace is different than maybe what we'd see in Webster's Dictionary, which we understand it as kind of the absence of conflict, but in the ancient wisdom Hebrew uh, literature, peace is shalom, and it's the interconnected thriving of all people. And I want you to hear that, the interconnected thriving of all people, not all people that come to chapel, not all people that go to your church, not all people that go to your church in North Minneapolis or people that go to your church in Lakeville, all people that we are interconnected into their thriving. And when I wrap my mind around that, what it says to me is that your success, your thriving is linked to the choices that I make. It's not just who chooses to be on Team Jesus or not, although I deeply believe that we are called to share in the words of the unruly rabbi to invite you and on this good news and for all to participate, but it doesn't say that only those who participate are linked to us. We're linked to everybody. We are intimately linked. We are interconnected, and when we feel that, we see the world differently. You don't have to walk by the person on the corner to get to your really important um, class, unless you have a quiz, and then you should probably walk by them and also probably schedule a little bit extra time in your day. Um, but but we, can, we can create space knowing that we are connected, that what happens to one Impacts us. It changes the way we listen to the news. It changes the way we see our calling. It ladders back and asks us, what does my vocation have to do with the interconnected thriving of my neighbors? No longer are they just my mission or my project, but their life is interconnected to mine in the same way, in the same way with parenting. Peace doesn't always mean the absence of conflict. Now, Lola, my daughter, and I never have conflict, but I'm just going to say, if we did, There is not the absence of conflict, but sometimes it's there because I deeply care about the interconnected thriving of my daughter. You are going to have interconnected thriving with your roommate. That might not be the absence of conflict. It might be sharpening one another as one sharpens another, or as iron sharpens iron. This idea that you are growing with one another, if it's not just a person that's orbits you as the central character, but we are all interconnected with Christ as the central character. And so this this idea of if we believe that there is a design, a good design, a design that has answers, even if we don't have them yet, a design that is laid out in scripture, empowered by the leading of the Holy Spirit, played out, in a a community of faith, but also in how we interact out there. If we believe that we are interconnected in each other's thriving, then the last word is mishpat. And mishpat is justice. It means that not only do I recognize that I'm connected to other people, but when I see somebody not thriving, I have to respond. This word justice, I know, can be polarizing. I know some people prefer not to use justice. They prefer compassion. They prefer other kinds of words. I just choose to use the words that we see in Scripture. And mishpat is a retributive type of justice. It's this idea that when we see an individual or so often in Scripture groups of people that are disproportionately disadvantaged, that we do something about it. This is a tough one evangelicals have a way to go. And I know in a room like this, not everybody's in the same space spiritually and not everybody's evangelical. I'm just saying as a movement, we have space. We are incredible at people who come to our buildings. And we are incredible at events and blow-ups. And we are incredible, almost every church on the planet is gonna do some sermon series that's gonna have movies and we're gonna invite everybody in and it's gonna be a great way to get our community saved. That's happening, man, that is from the Holy Spirit. But what we sometimes don't do is take time to spend a little bit more attention to large groups of people who are disproportionately disadvantaged based on power structures. This is in scripture. And you might be uncomfortable, but Jesus talked about power all the time. And I'm sharing with you words that have helped me in my journey to, in my opinion, become a more passionate Christ follower. I'm not just talking about general Christian, I'm not talking about my worldview. I'm talking about a passionate lover of Jesus, this unruly rabbi that has so much good to share for my life so that my life is tov but also invites me to be a part of tov for other people invites me to recognize that I am connected to the people out there, that the walls need to come down and we need to be out there practicing our interconnected nature because you, at some point, most of you will go to the places that you will be from. And my prayer is that you would go there with an ability to integrate your faith into what it means to be neighbor. Because I've been able to see firsthand in my family's life and also in the work that I get to do, what happens when we integrate our faith with the work we do. I talked about the organization that I work with called Venture, and we specifically work in international human rights, justice, and missions. We specifically target refugees, those affected by trafficking, and extreme poverty and persecution. And every step of the way, the one thing that we know is we have to include TOV. We have to include the hope of the gospel. It is the only way. Otherwise, we're just rescuing one girl at a time. But when we see that the hope of the kingdom of this unruly rabbi, when we integrate our faith with everything we do, whether you are a teacher, a business person, an artist, a musician, whether you are writing books or whether you are going to, uh, you you know, uh, become a landscaper, when we start asking the question of what it means to integrate my faith into the things that I'm here to do, incredible things happen. Can happen. I want to show you a picture of what it means for venture to integrate its faith and to take seriously the responsibility of bringing tov and shalom and mishpat to communities that desperately need it. Watch this. In Nepal, one of the major problems that we are confronting, that our partners are confronting, is the human trafficking. Raju is. selling their children for food, so they went and to this village for a year and as he visited just a little time later, he found out that they were selling their children for something else. They believed at the core of their being that their life was worthless because they were the lowest caste. And when they heard the story of Jesus and the value that Jesus places on every single life, that powerful truth, Changes their lives so much that even if they got hungry, they wouldn't sell their kids because their kids matter to them. Their kids matter to God. Their kids have value. You're not going to see an end of a systemic cycle until the heart changes, and there's no greater way to do that than the community centered around the gospel. adventure eventually, we practice something, and we learn from meeting corporately with the worship and community, reaching out to people who have you ever been Jesus, spending time with the poor, rest, and training other people. This is the model that we're seeing be effective in creating multiplicative discipleship in the areas where we work. This is unstoppable. <laughs> It allows our model to be flexible and portable in areas of high risk, high danger, high persecution. We don't always know who's going to become a church planter. What we are learning is that girls who've been rescued from trafficking situations can go through rehabilitation and can become extremely effective church planters by sharing their testimony. We have stories of people who used to be committing genocide against minority groups have met Jesus and now they're feeding the very people that they used to shoot. Or in one community, the very trafficker of the village is now a pastor rescuing girls. It's the church planting portion of what we do that makes societal change a possibility. We would never want to have to choose between doing community development relief work and helping Certainly poorly press and planted churches among the region, we feel like they both complement each other so well to bring generational transformation. When you go into the communities where the church isn't, there's a profound sense of hopefulness. But I've been in religions where the church is present, where believers have organized themselves into a worshiping community. This is why I so deeply believe in Tov. This beautiful design. This beautiful design that invites traffickers to become pastors. This beautiful design that invites people who are committing genocide to now be sharing their meals with other people. This is why this morning while I'm here. I take the opportunity to go, what are the words, what are the things that have guided me that may, may help you, Keaton? Thanks for that great question. The three words that have been so important in my spiritual journey are tov, that there's a design. Shalom, that you are connected to other people's thriving, what you do. Mishpat, that we, through the Holy Spirit, will see where there's brokenness and that we would be a community that responds. You see, when I see some of the students in here, like Ari and Reagan and Macy and Joey and Keaton and Jackson and any number of people, I see your parents, and I think there are things that we have done really well, but I also recognize that we are now passing the baton on. And this world desperately needs to see people that know how to integrate their faith to the places that they're going. And so my prayer for you is, if you would please stand. That's not my prayer, but that would be great because, amen. My prayer for you is that you would stand. Hallelujah. Shoulders are healed. People are standing. It's awesome. That you, that you would stay in the conversation, that you would stay in the service, that you would stay in the worship, that you would stay with your roommates, that you would stay in the study, and that you would integrate the life and the teachings of the unruly rabbi on the side of the mountain that invited you to see your role in bringing Tove more beautifully right now in this city, on this campus, and to the places that you will be from. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he bless your comings and going for his name and his glory. Amen. Have a great day.